Good evening, everybody. Tonight is Saturday, April 13th, 2019. This is Ciencio Speak Sports. I'm your host, RJ Ciencio. Today we'll be going over three football leagues that are trying to take form next season. They are the Freedom Football League, the Pacific Pro Football, and, of course, the American Patriot League. I decided to exclude the XFL since that deserves its own episode, and we'll hopefully get to that for a later date. But with that being said, let's get into this, wasting no time. Let's start with the American Patriot League. <clears throat> Sorry, pardon me, allergies are a bad thing this time of year. Anyway, um, the American Patriot League was founded in 2018 and was supposed to take the field in 2019. However, this never happened, um, but this looks to be playing for 2020. Now, here are the, there are going to be eight teams. Players will be paid fifty grand as a base salary, which is not bad when you really think about it. Um, th- that's going to be interesting to see how the money comes up because it's going to be run by some former football players, including... David Holloway, Keon Lattimore, Marcus Olgic, and Bob Gugelick. The seven locations that have been announced so far are Canton, Ohio. They'll be playing at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, which is 23,000 feet large. They'll be coached by Jamie Thomas. Daytona Beach, um, obviously in Daytona Beach, Florida. They'll be playing at Daytona Stadium, coached by Linwood Wright. The Houston team will be playing at Rice Stadium, which holds thirty. Pardon me, forty-seven thousand, and hosted by and hosted. Listen to me, and coached by Joe Nixon. Mobile Alabama will get a team at Lad Pebble Stadium, holding thirty-three thousand four hundred seventy-one. This team will be coached by Tim Beckman. Shreveport, Louisiana, also has a team. They'll be playing an Independence Stadium, which holds forty-nine thousand five hundred sixty-five, and this team will be coached by Aaron Henderson. And the most recently announced is, and I, pardon me if I butcher this, um, Yespenleti, Michigan. It's in Washita County. We'll be playing at Rhinestone Stadium with 30,200 capacity. Um, but there's no head coach announced. There's going to be one more team that's going to be announced out there. We don't know where that's going to be. But I'm, oh, I'm sorry, skipped over Sacramento. They'll be playing at Hughes Stadium. They'll be coached by Duncan Anderson. And Sacramento is my big issue with the league right now. I don't know why in the world you have Sacramento as a team here. You should have stayed to the southeastern United States, in my opinion. Or at least just stay in the eastern U.S. Could have put a team in Illinois. Could have put a team in Missouri. Could have put a team in Arkansas. And like kept the travel down to a minimum. But you decided to put a team out in Sacramento. We're not going to have a Western division. That's a sure thing. I really don't like how the American Patriot League is shaving up. You should scrap the Sacramento team and move them somewhere closer to the Canton area. Put them maybe in Indiana, Kentucky, West Virginia, somewhere there. And then work your way down the eastern part of the U.S. So the traveling cost is much less than it already is. 
Um, this is really just um interesting idea because this is kind of polar opposite of the next league I'm going to talk about, and that's the Freedom Football League. Now, the Freedom Football League, this one's going to get a little more detailed than the last one because there's a little bit more known about it right now. It's going to be a 10-league team. I was founded this past year in 2018. It was announced on December 6th of the year by Ricky Williams on ESPN's Outside the Lines. So, where are these teams going to be? What's the alignment? Well, I have that for you right now. In the Western Conference, we have the Austin Revolution, the Oakland Panthers, the Oklahoma City Power, the Portland Progress, and the San Diego Warriors. In the Eastern Conference, we have the Birmingham Kings, the Florida Strong, the Ohio Players, the St. Louis Independents, and the Connecticut Underground. Now, some key people involved in this league are Ricky Williams, Terrell Owens, Brian Chamberlain, Simeon Rice, Jeff Garcia, and Dexter Jackson. The Final three, by the way, were all part of the United Football League, another defunct league that um, tried to take play, lasted for a few seasons, and then folded. So the interesting thing about the FFL is that it's going to be owned by the fans. There are no people owning teams here that have over a million dollars invested in it. So the max you can invest is um, $1 million. That's the cap. Uh, I think this is a gimmick that can really be interesting because, I mean, let's be real for a second. Who hasn't wanted to own their own football team? We all have at some point. The minimum you can pay to own uh, in the team if you're not a season ticket holder is twenty-five grand. Now, that's a lot of money. And they haven't announced any official stadiums yet. I'm also not positive about all the names. I know they were trying to go with like the history of the sport in the area and some political ties as well. Um, so what names do I approve of? I approve of the Oklahoma City Power, kind of playing up the Oklahoma City Thunder thing. And if, I'm going to have to agree with the revolution down there in Texas. Pardon me, Austin, Texas. Yeah, the Austin Revolution, that's great. It's Texas, it's a Lone Star State, it's fitting. Um, the Florida Strong, are we really doing this, guys? I mean, I get you're the Freedom Football League, and that's kind of part of your spiel. But if you have people who watch football who are not all about that lifestyle and don't want politics in their football, why would you want that associated with your brand? That's just my personal take on it. You know, nothing, let me just say I'm pro-LGBTQ, but I'm a little worried about how that's going to play off to some of the fans because, I mean, when it came to kneeling for the national anthem, people got onto a tizzy and that's a conversation in itself. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, we don't know what kind of venues they're going to be targeting or what kind of players they're going to be targeting. So I live in Connecticut, and the Connecticut Underground is a team that I'm going to be closest to. So 
I decided to look at what Connecticut's venues could be because they're supposed to be out of Hartford, but I was thinking, you know, what venues do Connecticut have that are, um, you know, suitable to have a football team? Because you're not going to play in the Yale Bowl. Um, no disrespect to the Yale Bowl itself, but it's not what I call a top-tier facility. It's still wooden bleachers. I don't see them playing at UConn because that's not in Hartford. So the one place that comes up the most is the 5,500 seat um, venue, Dillon Stadium. I think it is a great place to have a team. Now, if you are familiar with the football scene in Connecticut and actually how big it has been throughout the years, you would think Connecticut is a horrible place to put a team. You know, and uh, I can't fault you 100%. There are some places in Connecticut that have, um, you know, gotten teams that haven't drawn great. So why do I trust Dillon Stadium to be a good venue? All right. Well, we got to go way back in time to 1964. The Atlantic Coast Football League had a team called the Hartford Charter Oaks. And then the Continental Football League also got the same team after they changed leagues. They played from 64 to 68. Then, in 68, the Atlantic Coast Football League also put the Harvard Knights in town. And then, they moved to the Seaboard Football League through 1973. And people are going to be like, okay, that's great, that's old news. Now, some women's leagues have also played there. The Connecticut Crushers who played in both the National Women's Football Association and Independent Women's Football League Played there from 2001 to 2010. And the New England Nightmare of the Women's Football Association played there from 2010 to 2012. Also, the venue is home to the United Soccer League team, Hartford Athletic. With that new Hartford Athletic team coming to the United Soccer League, all of a sudden this venue has more power to it. That's the only place I can think of that can host the Connecticut Underground. I don't know where you're going to play in Orlando. Because I don't think you want to play at a huge venue. So you're not going to see the Camping World Stadium. At the same time, you're not going to see something like with a 1,000 seats either. I think we're going to be in the 5,000 seat range. St. Louis is another interesting case because... You, you don't know where the independence is going to be playing. You know it's not going to be at the Dome Center of America or whatever the heck the old Edwards Jones Dome is going by nowadays. Um, I don't know how that one's going to end up. Birmingham is definitely not going to have Legion Field take them in. I mean, if the mem- pardon me, if the if the Iron can't draw well there, I don't see why you think your team can. Nothing. Nothing. Again, I am really hoping for the, you know, FFL to do well. What I'm not seeing is what venues they're going to use. I'm just skeptical of the venues right now. Um, so that's going to be an interesting case. The players in a, are in a really weird spot because, as I said earlier, in the American Patriot League, um, at 
the Hall of Fame Stadium, that's where the their Ohio team will be taking play. Their Kansas team will be taking play. So is the FFL going to work with the APL and say, hey, guys, listen, we both have teams in Ohio. We're going to make it so our dates don't conflict with each other. I mean, is that how it's going to go down? As for the rest of the venues and whatnot, Portland, I don't know where you're going to put it. Oakland, I don't know where you're going to put it. San Diego, don't know where you're going to put it. Austin, don't know where you're going to put it. Because a lot of the places I'm saying have huge venues. Um, Now, as far as Sibian Rice, Jeff Garcia, and Dexter Jackson go, they were affiliated with the United Football League. Which was a team, pardon me, not a team, but a league that played from 2009 through 2012. It was somewhat successful in a sense. People just don't remember it because it was in the fall. And sorry, I just got a text message there. Um, but we're going to continue. And the UFL is a somewhat forgotten league, and that's by the by, by the past. The thing that will make or break this FFL league is the fact that it's owned by the fans. The AAF showed that the fans do demand spring football, and that's great. The question is, are fans willing to shell out money to fund those teams? Because it costs a lot of go-to games and whatnot. We don't know what the ticket prices are going to be yet, and that's totally fine. Now, is the FFL going to succeed? I don't know. I don't like the geographic footprint, but that's just me. This is really going to come down to the fans. If you have a team in your area, support it. I will know. I know for sure I'll be supporting my Connecticut Underground, which got snaked from the Underground Railroad because that's where it ended. Um, that explains that name a bit. They have great explanations of why their teams have certain names on the website. You'll also be hearing more about the Freedom Football League very soon from Alternative Football News Network, who um, I'm good friends with everybody there. You should go check them out if you haven't already. But they'll be talking to the guy um, to run it. I believe they're getting Ricky Williams on there. I'm not joking about that either. Um, it's going to be great. They're asking some questions that hopefully will be answered from this segment. So there's one more football league that we do have to go over, and that's Pacific Pro Football. And this is probably the one that I'm the second most skeptical about. I'm most skeptical about the American Patriot League because it was supposed to start playing this year, then pushed back everything, and I don't know. Don't like it. Now. Pacific Pro Football, or Pac-Pro, is supposed to be a four-league, a four-team league, pardon me, that will start playing in 2020. It's going to be owned by Donald H. Yee, Ed McCaffrey, Jeff Husabar, John Chung, and Lisa McCaffrey. So if, everyone, if anybody knows the name Don Yee, 
you might know him for being Tom Brady's sports agent. And that's kind of odd for me and kind of uncomfortable. Nothing against sports agents, but how do you guys know how to run a league? I know that um, one of the other owners, Ed McCaffrey, played in the NFL. He played from 91 to 03, winning a few Super Bowls along the way. But since then, eh, nothing there. He said Christian McCaffrey's an awesome. He's an amazing running back. Um, you know, their family's full of football players. That's great, but I don't, that doesn't explain the business side of it. The teams are already going to be placed in Southern California to be playing in mid-sized municipal or college stadiums on Sundays. And the league may only use two venues. The average pay would be around fifty grand plus optional community college tuition and books for a year. Which is actually a really interesting benefit because anybody who's been to college tell you that textbooks are really expensive. I mean, while you're looking at that's basically ten grand of stuff probably a year if you're getting all new. I'm a uh, something in that ballpark. So that might be nice for the players. I know they signed Adidas as a major sponsor. They have. Uh, they were also supposed to start this year and then push back 2020, which I think is smart. Everyone saw what the rushed, you know, push of the AAF and it backfired. So, it's a developmental league. I think it's going to be the West Coast equivalent of the Spring League. And let me explain what the Spring League is right now because I think that's another league that there's a little more um, attention that it's getting as well. So the Spring League is a it's a developmental league. And I think about like in not a sense of like, you know, it's going to be like sending players up to the NFL. It's gonna be sending players like maybe to the CFL type thing. Now the Spring League, um, its first season was twenty seventeen. They're currently having their season right now. And Pardon me, they're having their 2019 season. What am I saying? Now, they are in good relations with um, the XFL. They're testing out some rules there, and that's going to be interesting. So, the they also brought in a new team from Austin, Texas, called the Generals. Um with the New Zealand Journal's USFL color and logo, which I don't get. But um, here are some of the names that have come from the Spring League. Okay, and pardon me if I butch any of these names. All right, we have Roman Breglio, a defensive lineman who signed with the Tiger Cats of the CFL. Harold Brantley, who signed with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Brandon Burks, who signed with the Toronto Argonauts. Paul Butler, who saw, was given an invite to the Oakland Raiders rookie minicamp. David Cobb, a running back, who signed with the Rough Riders of the CFL. Brian, T, Brian Creer signed with the BC Lions. Quintinus Edmont signed by the Panthers. Tyson Graham signed with the Falcons. Marcus Henry signed by the Seahawks. Cameron Hunt signed by the Raiders. 
Kini Kamakalui. I can't say that name. I'm just going to call him Kenny. Kenny's had the BC Lions. Johnny Football, who signed with the Tiger Cats and then got traded to Montreal, and now he's back in the Spring League, by the way. I think. Actually, no, he's not. He was he was in Spring League a couple years ago. Then he went to the CFL. Then went, pardon, he went to the AAF recently, then that shut down. All right, then I got that all cleared out. Um, recent Pringle signed with the Detroit Lions. Keith Rinicky was signed by the Calgary Stampeders. Bose Sanderland signed by the Cardinals. Keith Schultz signed with the Panthers. Taylor Sesimak signed with the Giants. Lorenzo Talaferro was signed by the Tiger Cats. Dwayne Thomas signed with the Tiger Cats. And Lindsay Trail signed with the Tiger Cats. And then the most famous guy to come out of this league so far, um, you may have heard of him. His name is Zach Mettenberger, the former Tennessee Titan, and most recently member of the Atlantic American Football Memphis Express. Um, so this league can pump out some talent. So how does it relate back to specific pro football? I see it being this kind of regional type developmental league for the southwest of the United States. And I think that's a very important thing to have because and I truly don't like the NCAA as the NFL's only farm system. The NFL is a true developmental league because here's why. The NFL has, you know, honed people's skills for, for early bloomers. But when you get to late bloomers, your Kurt Warner, your James Harrison, guys who really didn't develop until later in their careers, there's nowhere for them to go the, for them to protect uh, perfect their craft. And that's important because you don't want to lose good players because you're ignorant and saying, you know what, we're too good for these guys. Get out of here with that. And that's why I'm also confused about the American Patriot League. Because it's not, so, it's not really trying to be a national league. It's in the eastern U.S. most of the time, with the exception of Sacramento, which I still don't get as a location for a pro football team. You have the Sacramento surge fail there. Um, they were part of the um, – and then I forgot the other team. But there were teams like the CFL when they expanded the U.S. in the World League of American Football. Both those teams are dead. And now you're trying to tell me Sacramento can handle another team? I guess you could argue because the smaller-scale league might work, and I hope it does. I'm not getting my hopes up for that. So overall, how do I rank these leagues in the order of which I have faith in them? The one I got the least faith in right now is the American Patriot League. They pushed their launch back this season. They have no big names involved that I can find. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to handle travel expenses with that team in Sacramento. That still makes zero sense to me. Um, the sec- the one I trust the second most is probably Pacific Pro Football or Pac Pro. I think this league has potential. It's going to be like the Spring League is how I see it. It's not going to be like you know. It's more of a of a, a area round up some talent and just to show it to the big agents. And that's smart because. If you're in football and you haven't been drafted to the NFL, you almost feel hopeless and that's never a good feeling. This is supposed to be a second chance without having to go to the CFL 
or overseas. And then you have the Freedom Football League. The league I have the most faith in right now. I think you have former NFL players back in this, 50 of them. And the gimmick of the fans investing to keep the league afloat, or really anybody just under a million bucks, I mean, it makes it so fans can't invest. Granted, they have to be making a good income in life. And you don't really want to put money down for this. But, um, you know, I was talking with a couple guys at Alternative Football News Network. And, you know, we're kind of like, hey, we want to potentially buy into this, but, you know, we don't want to spend 25 grand each. It's like, there's a way we can crowdsource this. So I think that'd be fun. You know, if you and your friends got a little extra money and you want to succeed and invest in the FFL, as far as I know, you can set up a crowdfunding source. So probably go on GoFundMe.com. I'll, you know, start to hypothetically start something up called Help Me Fund an FFL football team, become a sports owner. We need $25,000. And it's 25000 depending on where you are economically, either sounds like a little or a lot. Now, I mean, being a high school student, it sounds like a lot of money. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you've got a little bit of money and you don't mind losing it, I mean, that's the thing with this. You have to be willing to lose that money because the league fold, you know, the league might fold, and that's how it goes with all these startup leagues. But if you're willing to put money into this and show up to games, why should this not succeed? I think the FFL chose some good markets. I don't know how the travel costs are going to work out. Especially in the Western Conference. Because that's Portland, that's Oakland, that's San Diego, that's Oklahoma City, that's Austin. Um, you know, and really my only knock with the FFL right now is the fact that it will be, you know, so far away from each other, some of the teams in each conference. But if you listen, if you have the money to get the players to each location and put on a quality product, I mean, there's no reason why I shouldn't go to a few um, Hartford games in the 2020 season. There's no good for reason. There's no good reason for me not to go. At least not yet. I mean, if I have a job that interferes, that's different. But right now. That's not the case. So if you're putting a team in my backyard, you're going to have my support. And if I can't make it, I'll be there on social media backing you up. So overall, the FFL has a great chance of making it. Multiple reports said it will start in March of 2020. And I'm excited for that. I'm a little more excited for that than I am the XFL. Because Connecticut doesn't have an XFL team. That's my only reasoning for it. And we're going to get more clarity on what this FFL is, you know, and how the FFL is going to work and the significance of it. Once Action V, not Action V, or Network, pardon me, Alternative Football News Network gets an interview with Ricky Williams out there. So I'd be keeping my ear to the ground for that. If you want to find Alternative Football News Network, you can go to AFNN.com. Pardon me, AFNN.net. And find some great content there. They'll have the Ricky Williams interview there. They also 
have a Facebook group that is really a nice one for discussion. Um, I'm personally a big fan of it. It has over 2,000 members. It's all people who enjoy the sport of football. And I think you should go give it a look. And that, you know, it's always a good time there. And the group is called a Football World Discussion Group. It was recently rebranded from AAF and XFL-related stuff because, you know, just see something like, you know, it's because of AAF and AFL that they rebranded the whole thing. So we're talking about all leagues in there. Come give it a check out. They talk about everything. I mean, heck, we're talking about... We're talking about freaking... Tim Tebow comes from AAA baseball right now and stuff. So go get that check out. Go to afn.net. Pardon me, afnn.net. Um, when they have their interview with Ricky Williams of the FFL, um, you're you're sure to find me on that forum. If you want to find more of me in that other forums, you can follow my CSSB Sports Group. Follow my Instagram page, CNCO underscore speaks underscore sports. And overall, I think it'd be a great time. So thank you for tuning into CNCO Speaks Sports, and I hope I'll see you down here next week.